Hello and welcome to episode 18 of Play DNA. I'm Cassandra. I'm Damon. And I'm Sarah. Thank you guys so much for being here and being listeners. Uh, so did you guys play anything new this week? I played Marrakesh, that rug game that you guys were talking about because I bought it. Oh, it yeah. Fun. Oh, good. What did you think? I thought, I thought it was really adorable and fun and cute. And I like the way the rugs feel in my hands. <laughs> yeah. So it was really fun. Yeah. It's a very cute game. But you guys? Uh, we played Treasure Island, which we've played many times before. Uh, but it's it's a great game. Basically, your one person is playing as kind of the game master, and they hide a treasure on the map, which is the board, and all of the other players are trying to find the treasure. And the person who's the game master is giving them clues so that they have a chance, but they don't want to give too much away because they also have an opportunity to win at the end of the game. And uh, it's it's really fun. It's uh, the board is all uh, dry erase, so you can draw various things on the board depending upon the kind of information that you find. If you know, oh, the treasure is definitely not in this region, then you have your own little private map that you can mark, so you can just completely cross out everything in that region, and you know that the treasure isn't there. You can choose to share information with the other pirates or you can choose to play 100% competitively and you know not share any information um in this particular game I was playing long long john silver the game master <laughs> and they they did end up finding the treasure they they beat me uh but it's a very fun game very fun super fun tactile experience I think kids would really like that game oh yeah cool uh well I stumbled upon a really fun subject for today's episode. Cool. Uh, so have either of you guys heard of the game of the goose? I have now. I've heard of Duck Duck Goose. <laughs> Close, but not quite there. <laughs> so as Americans, we're less likely to have heard of the game of the goose, more likely to have heard about it if you're a listener who lives anywhere in Europe. Uh, but I actually was very surprised that I hadn't heard about it after I read about it. Um, so it's a very old game. And we've talked about a lot of firsts, like the first games. And we've talked a ton about ancient board games like Senate and Moncala and Chess and Go and a lot of really, really, really old games. Uh, but we haven't really talked about the first what could be considered a modern game, the first modern game. And that isn't really easy to define because there isn't actually a definition of what a modern game is. But what I think about is a printed board, right? So like not something that somebody made or had commissioned by an artist, like a printed board that you bought, um, something that's commercially available and relatively easy to purchase. And uh, you can get it multiple places and all of the versions are basically the same. Uh, maybe it comes in a cardboard box. It has printed rules. These are all the kinds of things I think about when I think about a modern board game. Uh, and the game of the goose is considered by some people to be the first modern board game. And you guys can kind of decide if you agree. But uh, this is a fun little story. Buckle up for game of the goose. <laughs> We're going to start 
in uh, the late 1400s. So, Whoa. yes, really early. Late 1400s, uh, the printing press was becoming popular. And publishers across Europe were beginning to use them. And, of course, the first thing they printed was the Bible. That was That's always the first thing. Uh, it's always the first thing they print when they invent the printing press. Always. Every new <laughs> – well, you know. Every single time. <laughs> there have been a lot of different technological advances in the printing press. And every time, I think, they make an advance, the Bible is the first thing that gets printed. So uh, first was Bibles. Then, of course, they started printing books. And uh, very quickly, they actually started to print board games. And, of course, as we know, board games had been around for a very long time, um, but not in the form that we are used to today, which is kind of the printed modern board game. Uh, so these games were printed on either linen or board. And the game of the goose... What is board? It's like a... I don't know. <laughs> so it's so authoritatively, I'm like, I... I not entirely sure what that means. <laughs> I, I actually don't know either. It's just something that, that it said online. Okay. Uh, <laughs> please tell us what board is if you know. Maybe it's like thin wood or something. I'm sure it's some kind of thin wood, but yeah. you can't pass thin wood through a printing press. That's true. Well, most of the pictures I saw of this particular game were printed on linen. So I'm assuming most of them are printed on linen. Uh, but the Game of the Goose was the first game to officially be printed and published by a manufacturer. Uh, and I, it would be great, it would be like nice and clean if I could point to one version of the Game of the Goose and say this is the very first one published. Unfortunately, I can't because many versions existed simultaneously and I don't believe that anything like copyright existed yet. So a lot of people were printing this Game of the Goose. Um, we do know that one of the first times it was mentioned in historical documents is when the Grand Duke of Florence sent a copy to King Philip of Spain as a gift. And apparently it was very well received. Both of them thought it was just the best game. So some, some people called it the Royal Game of the Goose. But uh, the standard name is the Game of the Goose. Uh, so all of these different versions that existed simultaneously, they all look slightly different. So I'm going to describe what one of my favorite versions looked like to you guys. So this print of the Game of the Goose features this charming fat goose that takes up essentially the whole board. And she's got this pleasant goose smile. And on the ground next to her is this pile of eggs. And inside of her body, there are all these numbered circles. And they start at her neck at one, and they end at the bottom of her body with the number 63. So they kind of snake around the inside of her body, go down to space 63. So let me give you the basic rules of the game of the goose. Uh, the boards always feature a winding path forwards where players start at one, and they're trying to get to space 63. And it's a simple roll and move game. So there are two dice. You roll the dice, you move that number of spaces. Some of the spaces feature a friendly looking goose. If you land on that- A goose in a goose? A, a goose in a goose, okay. yep. Yep. Just checking. <laughs> uh, if you land on the goose, you get to move again the same number that you just moved. So it advances you forwards. There are other special spaces uh, like a bridge, a hotel, a well, a maze, a prison, and space 58 is the death space, and it's this little skull. And if you hit the death space, 
you have to go all the way back to the beginning of the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the final most important rule is that you can't overshoot the 63rd space. So you have to roll exactly the right number to hit that final space. If you don't, you have to move backwards and basically try again. So every time they invent the printing press, the first thing they print is the Bible, and the second thing they print is a series of numerical mazes inside of geese with geese inside geese and prisons inside geese, (laughs) which is the natural second step. Well, yes, but these were very good, like, wholesome games. Very, yeah, it's a royal game of goose. Exactly. It is, it is a very wholesome game. So, okay, so so there's this historian. His name is Adrian Seville, and he specializes in board games, and specifically, he loves the game of the goose. He has written papers about it. He's written a whole book about the game of the goose. <laughs> He's a collector. He collects all sorts of old board games, but he personally owns over a hundred versions of the Game of the Goose. Do you think he plays the Game of the Goose? Oh, yes. He has Game of the Goose, like, weekly tournaments. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. Is family really into Game of the Goose? <laughs> Can you get a family if you spend all your time collecting Game of the Goose? I'm not sure if he's married or not, but I'm sure the Game of the Goose has nothing to do with it either way. Seems like it would be really easy to find the appropriate soulmate who is super into Game of the Goose. <laughs> You're the only two, like, on the Game of the Goose Reddit. <laughs> he has a passion. He has a passion for the Game of the Goose. Um, and he he really wants people to know that, yes, the Game of the Goose doesn't sound very extraordinary or interesting. I just explained the rules. And, like, personally to me, it makes me think of Candyland. Like, sounds like Candyland featuring geese, which is <laughs> just like a slightly less exciting version. That or shoots and ladders, because right when you're at yep. the end of shoots and ladders, mm, there's a yeah. huge ladder that can get you back to the beginning, pretty much. Yep, does, shoots and ladders. Does sound exactly like shoots and ladders. Sorry, um, other kind of roll and move racing games. They're all very, very similar to Game of the Goose, and Game of the Goose is, could probably be said to be the parent of all of these games. I love the idea of a king playing Candyland. Like he sends a copy <laughs> of Candyland to it. another king. And he's like, check this out. You <laughs> yes. thought the Bible was hot. Try Candyland. <laughs> it's going to blow your mind. <laughs> it was very popular. <laughs> despite despite how simple it is, uh, Seville does want people to know that at the very least at the very beginning, there was significance to uh, the numbers and the symbols that were seen in the Game of the Goose. So 63 in numerology was significant. It's considered to be the age at which people would reach the ultimate level of peace and wisdom. It's probably when people died, and that's why. But um, And then the goose was this wholesome symbol that could have been associated with spiritual advancement and was also a symbol of luck, especially in Italy. Apparently the goose was a very popular symbol of luck. So the game was very simple, uh, but it did have this kind of spiritual meaning. And just like a lot of the traditional board games that we've talked about, it was designed as an education in religion and morality. So each version's graphic design was slightly different. And one of the popular looks was for the path to be inside of the body of a winding snake instead of inside of a goose. So. Nothing like opening up the box of Game of the Goose and finding a snake. <laughs> yes. Well, so despite the fact these are all almost exactly the same game, they did all have different names as well. I'll, I'll tell you a few of them later on. But um, this, yeah, there, there was a lot of really popular versions that had a winding snake, which obviously has like 
religious significance. Like you, you see a lot of snakes in, in religious texts. Um, one version had this menacing snake and each of the 63 spaces inside its body was a different bird, including geese, of course. And also on each space was written instructions to reflect on the various aspects of that bird or the character of that bird. So space number two was a peacock, and it said on the space, stop one turn to view the beautiful plumage of this bird and to ridicule its vanity. <laughs> That's a little weird. That, that was all in one of 63 sp- How big is this? This board is the size of your whole room. You're playing Twister with your snake bird game. From, this is getting complicated. From looking at a few pictures, I think- The taxation system is failing because the king is spending all of his time on this giant game about a goose snake. So from looking at pictures, my understanding is that most of the time, only the numbers were on the spaces and then you had- like a, a an, an instruction booklet <laughs> that you referred to that had the writing. And that wasn't the case with all of them. There were some boards that I saw that had tons of writing on them, like tons of writing. Um, but some of them that were little tighter spaces, like written inside of a snake, um, <laughs> they they just had the number and then you had something that you referred to. Oh, you landed on the, the peacock. Let's learn about the peacock. <laughs> In the meantime, the bridges are falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> so the game's popularity was extraordinary. It was just incredibly popular. And Many companies published versions of the Game of the Goose. They they basically all had different names, but usually they had the same structure with the 63 spaces, and even the landmarks were all in the same places. So the bridge space, the maze space, the death space, etc., they would all appear on the same number space in every version. But the iconography would change depending on the retheme of the game. So there was a version featuring the navy, And instead of a friendly goose on some spaces, there would be favorable winds. And the death space would show a shipwreck instead of a skull. Uh, There was one that featured hot air balloons that was from the 1800s. There was one that showed different wonders of the world in each space. And that's one of the ones that had tons and tons of uh, words on the actual board. I think there, there was a lot of geographical information and a lot of educational information in that version of the game. In 1758, the Duchess of Norfolk planted a Game of the Goose hedge maze on her property. Uh, so it, the, the popularity of this game was absolutely absurd. And some versions of the game were, were clearly meant to educate and you know to guide people on a moral path. Others were reskinned to be more silly and casual. And they were even used for gambling because the game is entirely luck-based. So it was, it was a pretty good gambling game. So you would think that this trend would stop eventually. Like after 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years, people would get tired of this game and move on to something else. But it just kept going. People just kept making this game over and over and over again. And during all this time, printing technology was getting better and better. And in the 19th century, color printing was cheap enough that we begin to see companies giving away these game sheets as advertisements. So just like really thin sheets, like you can imagine like you get free posters sometimes, um, like not high quality, but just like these cheap giveaway 
games that advertisers would start giving away. And the game of the goose was so popular and so easy to reskin that companies just grabbed onto it. Um, one version advertised luxury French dolls, and on the death space is a broken doll, which is a German knockoff version of the doll. Uh, there was a version made by a gas mantle light manufacturer, and later there are versions by multiple manufacturers of electrical lights. One version advertised sewage pumps. Gotta be like Ew. that when you get that for Christmas. <laughs> what a <laughs> shitty <laughs> gift. I'm sorry. <laughs> Christmas morning, you're like, Mom, every time, every Christmas you give oh me a... Oh, God. It's worse than the coal. <laughs> <laughs> So a lot of these versions, too, remember, you didn't have to pay for them. These were advertisements. So they were, a lot of these were free. I'm surprised you were able to even give it away. (laughs) The crap one, yeah. You want this version of Poop Candyland? (laughs) Like, no, I, here, you throw it I'm good, thanks. I don't need to take my my people through the sewage, the sewage forest. Like, no, I'm good. I already have 70 copies of Game of the Goose. (laughs) Yeah, so so some of them were really cheap, although there were some, too, that, as far as I can tell, they were actually official prints that people had to pay for, and one of those was by Coca-Cola, which, in the 1930s, they tried to market Coca-Cola as a health drink, and if you landed on spaces picturing apples, you had to move backwards. <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny. Yeah, that's great. I know. Oh, that's... Uh... Wow. <laughs> so hundreds of versions of this game were created, advertising all sorts of mundane products. And I'm sure some people were playing these like cheap paper versions of the game, but also it kind of reminded me of the equivalent of like crosswords or weird trivia games you find on the back of cereal boxes. But those aren't multiplayer. Like this is asking you to take your Poopland game. <laughs> And then find three more people who also would love to play Sewage Edition Game of the Goose (laughs) and sit down and spend your hour learning about pipes. It's it's a huge ask. Yeah. It's not, hey, you're eating some cereal, you have nothing else to do, let's entertain you for a second with a picture of a bee. Right. So. That's true. The multiplayer You wonder how how life was, what life was like before the radio, this is what life was like. People needed things to do. So there were tons of advertisements. Um, But the game also wasn't only used for advertising. The game kind of shaped itself with the times. So printing houses would print updated versions of the game constantly to reflect the events or culture of the time. So nowadays, if somebody, if, if a company prints a game, it's like, it's a big deal when they come out with another edition of the game. Uh, that wasn't the case then. It was just, they were just throwing out new versions all the time. Like, every everything was just completely saturated with the Game of the Goose. Just tons of Games of the Goose. They're all very modern, uh, and they all kind of reflected the times in various ways. Um, political parties would distribute their own versions of the game to encourage people to vote. Uh, there were versions for the French Revolution. There were versions for World War One. Apparently, there's even a Richard Nixon-themed version, which I couldn't find much information about. I don't know if it's pro or anti-Nixon, but apparently there's a Game of the Goose featuring Richard Nixon. 
<laughs> so uh, Adrian Seville has collected these games for years. And like I said, he personally owns over 100 different versions of this game. And 70 of them were recently shown at an exhibit in the Grolier Club in New York, which is like a graphic design museum. And uh, I thought that was pretty cool that they're showing these different board games inside of a museum, like partially because they are really interesting examples of graphic design and how design has changed over the years and how iconography has changed over the years, but also they have this really interesting historical significance and they are actually historical documents. So um, Adrian Seville feels very strongly about this game, obviously. And he feels like they're extremely useful documents to historians that have been completely underutilized. So this is a little uh, snippet from his book, like the introduction of his book about the Game of the Goose. He says, many of the thematic games provide a rich resource for cultural historians in that they act as a snapshot of their often very specific world and time. Through the medium of printing, detailed images were reproduced, giving iconographic material not found elsewhere. Again, several of the games were provided with booklets of rules and instructions, something especially common in Georgian and Victorian games published in England. These booklets often gave extensive descriptions of their subject matter, which could lead to new insight. Also, printed games were essentially ephemeral products, frequently updated. For example, several games produced in France in the early decades after the revolution were adapted to ensure political correctness under successive regime changes. The game can therefore be important as a primary source for the historian, although this aspect of them has been neglected. So he is very, very passionate about using the Game of the Goose and other old board games as historical documents. And as of now, they're not used in that way very often. According to him and to some other historians, if you add up the number of copies estimated to have been printed of the Game of the Goose throughout the 400 years it's been circulating, it would surpass the largest circulation figures of any modern day board game. Hmm. which I feel like is crazy. Um, I'll never beat Game of the Goose. You will never beat Game of the Goose. And that's one of the reasons I thought it was so strange that we hadn't, like none of us had heard about it. Um, I certainly hadn't heard about it. And I think that's mostly because this was primarily a European phenomenon. It never really came to the United States in a big way. Although, of course, if you look at things like Candyland and Sari you can see the influence. Like, it's here. Um, we definitely got it. And like I was reading earlier, there are a couple versions of the game that um, did make their way to the United States. But um, it's it's very much a European phenomenon. Uh, in some countries, like Italy and the Netherlands, the Game of the Goose is actually still alive. And it's basically in its original form. Like, it hasn't really changed that much. And rethemes of the game are released multiple times a year. So they're still coming out. They're still really popular. They're like a traditional game. Uh, and one of the other things I think is really interesting about this game is that if you think about the re-theming aspect, this is the first time that we ever really saw that happen with a game. Like if you think about all the different versions of Monopoly, like now we've got Monopoly everything. We've got... Harry Potter Monopoly, Simpsons Monopoly, Marvel Monopoly, like everything you could possibly think of, we have that version of Monopoly. 
the Game of the Goose did it first. It was the first game to do that, that was reskinned in every possible way by so many different companies, um, which I thought was interesting because it seems like now, it seems to me like a modern phenomenon just because I didn't live in any other time. But now I look at games that are themed, you know, Marvel theme, and I'm like, oh my God, another themed game. Ugh. But it is not new. It is not new at all. So Seville and, and a couple other historians run this database, which is the Game of the Goose database online. You can visit it, and it has images of all of the known versions of Game of the Goose. And it has 2,600 entries. Whoa. 2,600 Game of the Goose entries, all with images, so you can look at all the different versions of Game of the Goose. Even the one with the farts? What was that one again? <laughs> I'd like to see that one with the oh sewage plants. <laughs> yeah, it, it was not farts. It was sewage pumps. Sewage pumps. Sewage pumps. Uh, okay. Although I don't know. If you look hard enough, like 2600, there must be a fart version in there. <laughs> so is this game ever popular in the United States then? No, it, it never made it in in the original format. Well, because it wasn't so, technically religious, it wouldn't have ever made it here on a boat. It would have been burned at the boat. Uh, obviously, we have had roll and move games that are racing games, and I think I think it's safe to say that a lot of those were inspired by Game of the Goose. Um, well, ge ge geese have never been super important in the U.S. <laughs> It sounds like a joke, but it's like we are all we're very much about turkeys and not about geese. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, yeah, that, that's fair. That's fair. Maybe the symbolism like of the geese. If you goose live in just... London, you know geese personally. You know some geese, <laughs> and you definitely heard about geese your whole life. Right. You probably fought a goose a couple of times. <laughs> no, we we don't eat geese here, so maybe that's part of it. Um, although I'm sure people did, not as much I'm as sure turkey. They still though. do, but it's yeah. not it's not the turkey. Yeah. Because you don't have to fight a turkey. Why would you have to fight the goose? Obviously, you've never met a goose. <laughs> I've met geese. Well, they are not nice. A turkey is just, a turkey doesn't care. Yeah, turkeys are very friendly. Actually, that's not true. I've met some really mean male turkeys. Tried to bite your face? I mean, a goose, I a goose will bite you right in the face. I didn't get close enough to get bit in the face. A goose will kick you, which is not normal for a waterfowl. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, but the the goose was also apparently a very wholesome symbol. Mm. So there you go. Now you know game of the goose. Uh, it is considered by some to be the first modern board game because it was the first printed board game that was kind of mass distributed, like it was commercially available. Uh, I also did see a couple of pictures of the game of the goose in a box, and I don't know how it was sold. In the very early days, like 1770, who knows what that looked like. I mean, I don't know if it came in a box or what, but the version that I saw that came in a box in 1900 looked very, very similar to our board games now. So it, it came with a box that had, you know, the little dividers, and it came with these six little miniature geese that were the, the pawns that you used to move across the track, very cute little geese. Um, so it definitely looked very modern to me. 
wonder if we could ever have that guy on the show who loves Game of the Goose. And if we gave him an opportunity to talk about Game of the Goose. <laughs> He's like, I want to be on the show. Honk. <laughs> I don't think he is a goose. It's too far. But maybe. I mean, I can't say he's not a goose. I haven't seen a picture of him. Turns out he's a goose. <laughs> anyway, if if any of you guys are listeners from Europe, maybe you can give your insight into the Game of the Goose if you grew up with the Game of the Goose or had heard about it or if you have any old versions of the Game of the Goose. Apparently, some of these versions that Seville bought uh, are extremely rare, like collectible versions of Game of the Goose, and you can sell them for a lot of money. To other goose, goose people. To other goose enthusiasts. Yeah. Unrelated, but I've always wanted to be one of those people that goes on Antiques Roadshow and brings this old vase, and the, it's like worth $90,000. Like, sold! <laughs> I don't want this vase. <laughs> Everybody wants to be that person. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I saw this girl, her painting was like, I don't know, worth like $150,000 or something. And the next day I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to go to Goodwill and Ark and see if I can find a painting worth that much. It's like, how are you supposed to tell if this is a good painting? I don't know. Maybe I should have done some research before I just went to these places <laughs> and like assumed I was an art expert. That's the episode. Thank you guys for learning about the Game of the Goose, also known as the Royal Game of the Goose. Uh, and if any of you listeners would like to see some of these Really wonderful pictures of the Game of the Goose in all, in some of its various forms, not all. Um, then they will be in the podcast notes. Although I'll also link to the database if anybody wants to scrub through it and see the other versions of the Game of the Goose. There are many, many pictures to go through, but you could definitely find some gold in there. So thank you guys for listening. Play safe, play often, and we will see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>